a certain Mr. Jaden Sancho, I could see. <laughs> fitting you know, to there. be honest, I swear you were talking Leon Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was join my team, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure if Vernon was at Liverpool, he'd probably be doing a lot better than he's doing now at Chelsea. Welcome, welcome to this week's edition of the Mirror the Sports Podcast. I'm Dwayne West, joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Kirk Davids. Yeah, good to be back. Let's go. And Theodore Davis, how are you doing? Yes, sir, not too bad. Just glad to get back to it. See what's in store for this episode. For this week's episode, we'll speak about the usual NBA weekly roundup, you know, state of affairs of the NBA. We'll also speak to lifelong Liverpool fan, Mr. Ewan Walters, on the current state of his club. Um, you know, what was the expectations leading to the season and what he thinks of their current farm, what also he thinks should be, you know, done to improve their standing on closing out the season. We'll also touch on Serena Williams, you know, failed in her latest attempt at achieving the, or tying rather, the female titles record, what we think she should do now and what... You know, looking forward to the rest of the year if we think it's possible for her to win. So it's a fun episode. It'll be a good episode. Just stay tuned. Let's go. All right. So in our first segment, we're going to do our weekly NBA roundup. We have some of the major players, some of the favorites for the title this season rounding into form. We've had a couple of key injuries. Some teams... Missing out or missing some key players at this moment in time, leading up to the All Star break. Um, so I'm just going to get the guys' views on some of the some of the topics in the NBA, the Nets, the Nets finding farm boy. What do you think about the Nets? How is Nets going out here? Well, I've been watching the Nets pretty close to the past five games, which they've you know won, and they're on course to beat the Clippers at full strength. The Clippers are at full strength, not the Nets. Uh, and how they've been playing offensively has been particularly impressive, especially when you consider the fact that KD has been out the past few games. Um, also, what I've noticed with the, with the Nets that make them extremely dangerous is the firepower that they have on offense. And I mean, you expect that with Kyrie, KD, and Harden, but I'm talking specifically their shooting ability. Kyrie is shooting over 40% of, from three. Harden is thereabouts. KD is thereabouts as well. Joe Harris is shooting 50% from three. Landry Shamet has started the season cold. He can also get hot from three. <laughs> um, TLC can get hot from three. Like that's that like that's the thing. Like the mm-hmm. it's just so hard to defend them because the big three, they're as explosive as they are, their supporting cast can it's get extremely hot. They, exactly. It's like when they're all on at the same time, there's literally nothing you can do. Even yeah. with different yeah. I, I think I think one of the things that we that we we, we had mentioned it in an earlier episode. Uh-huh. I think it's flying under the radar now. Like offensively, this team has the potential to be the best allotment of stars together. 
I mean, yes, we saw KD and the Warriors, but that was a team where, you as know, that's a system. Yeah, that's, that's more of a system. But these we have, we have ISO players. We have guys who can play a system. We have guys who can score at the rim, mid range, at the at the three point line. So I don't, I don't, I think we're now seeing Mike D'Antoni's influence mm-hmm. on this team offensively. You know, guys not not afraid to pull up from three, shooting, not seeing a three pointer they don't like. And with the game, with the way the NBA is right now. Him with these players, I think, is going to be a major problem this season. What do you think, Craig? What do you think about it? Yeah, as the, the, the key to them really is that they're adding like defensive guys from from free, free agents. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I expect, I mean, let's see what happens with um, Andre, Andre Drummond. If they're going to trade for him or if they're going to get boiled and then they kind of decide him. But hold on, is, is Drummond a, a clutch client? Uh, <laughs> uh, I just ask you, you know, because you know, I just ask you, you know. Yeah, yeah, we know, line, we, we know, we know. All right, yeah. I was asking if he's a clutch guy. I'll do my research. I don't, I don't think so. Right. But you know, uh, yeah, check yeah. us. You know, the weather kind of warm in LA. You know? Yeah, just saying. Right, yeah, so he might be accounted for. All right, so. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. Definitely. The offensive point. Everybody's worried about their defense, but like, can you stop them though? <laughs> like, can you can you stop them? Because the thing about it is like, Kevin Kevin Durant really just needs like twelve shots to get thirty points, easily, easily, easily. easily. So it's like ultimate. Cheat and, and the thing about it is you don't even realize. Like, no. When you look, when you look at the stat sheet, you're like, Durant huh? have twenty eight points. Oh, yep. ten shots. It's yeah. like you you see him barely touch, and that's why and that's what made Katie work in Golden State, and that's what's making him work now. Even though Golden State was more fluid with their offense in terms of moving the ball, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they were more unselfish than people predicted. Uh-huh. That the, you know this big three with Kyrie and Harden would be the mm. reason why it's worked why it worked in golden state and why i believe it would work in brooklyn is because of kd is because of his as a brief touches on offense he, he, he just get the ball and rise up that's the thing cuz he's 7 foot and he, once he rises up you're not and with a high release point he rises up you're not going to stop his jump shot. sometimes sometimes i hear people talk like you know some players are easy to fit in like lebron james is easy to fit in anywhere in mm-hmm. any team. Yeah. I think KD is the easiest player to fit in anywhere. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low maintenance, That's not going to demand yeah. the ball. I mean, he wants the ball in, in, in when it matters. Yeah. And he deserves the ball when it matters, being the, the best player on yeah, the he, team. He is the best for player. For most part. Yeah. All right? We saw him, you know, float around on Golden State throughout the, the, the games. And then in the fourth quarter, you know who has the ball. I mean, we saw a big shots versus um, the Cavs for both of his rings. Yeah, but at yeah. the end of the day, I think he is the easiest superstar to fit in a team. Low maintenance. I just, I just see him not necessarily being relied upon as much for a team like this, in a system like this. But having that man there taking 15 shots. And you know that he's highly efficient with his 15 shots. Can't put him to you can't foul him because he's going to make free throws. 
you can't really deem up because if you double team him, you have Harden over there standing waiting and you have Kyrie over there standing waiting. So it's kind of difficult for you to account for him in a team, especially a team like this. Exactly. And it's a test, and that's always been his entire career, even when he was looked on to take more touches and offense in a system, you know, when he was up, um, for example, when he was up in OKC, <clears throat> the most shots he ever took in a season was 21 shots a game. He averaged 21 shots a game, and that's when he had to play without Russell Westbrook. And that just goes to show, you know, um, his offensive capabilities. Because if you compare him with other superstars that have had that ultra green light, you know, for instance, he had Harden averaging, you know, about 24, 25 shots a game some years ago for Houston. You saw Westbrook in his MVP season averaging about 22, 23 shots a night, but they didn't have his efficiency, you know. And that, so. that's their average. Yeah. And their average yeah. is higher than, than, than his. And he um, still scored more league. than them. Yeah. <laughs> You understand? And those guys are not efficient in terms of scoring. They're just high volume mm-hmm. shooters. You understand? Yeah. So I think, I mean, a lot of persons are reserved, as we said, about their defense, but offense is the best form of defense. Like, like Rick said, uh, you're worried because, about the defense, but are you stopping them? Yeah. If I put pressure on you offensively, if I'm scoring and you're not able to match my tempo with scoring, you're pretty much behind eight ball already. You may get layups, you may get dunks. The pick and roll offense may work, but what happens when it doesn't? Exactly. What happens if your three ball isn't falling? That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a good thing with the Nets. Even if their three ball isn't falling, they have three guys that can go get you a bucket in the blink of an eye. They you have that KD, who can post up. Kyrie, you can't press on Kyrie because his handles allow him to get space. Yeah. James Harden can... Easily get to the free throw line 15 times a game. So you have to, you, you can't, it's very difficult for a team to game plan, have the perfect game plan for these guys. Listen, you just have to yeah. pray that here one. One night, two of them don't go on and you're extra hot. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only thing I think about. Because like, the thing about it, like you have players, these, you have three guys where a five-minute stretch, six-minute stretch can just give you a 10, 15 straight points. It's like, the Nets, Nets is crazy. I, I don't know. Um, I have them coming up the East so far. Let's see how it goes in the playoffs. But as I said, like, they're finding their groove right now. Any other mm-hmm. team surprising you so far in the East, Theo? Good or bad? Well, a team that has surprised me well, two teams, as a matter of fact, that have surprised me in the negative sense would be the two Easter Conference finalists uh-huh. from the last season, Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. While there are reasons for, you know, their slide so far this season compared to last season, it, it has still uh, been surprising. I believe the Miami Heat, they're currently 13 and 17, correct me if I'm wrong. Somewhere yeah. there, <clears throat> and the Boston Celtics, they are now at 500 yet again, uh, 15 and 15. You know, they've dealt with their share of uh, the coronavirus affecting them. With Miami, you had Jimmy Butler getting infected, uh, for the Celtics, you had Jason Tatum. We have had, you know, both teams have had their own issues with injuries, uh, the Heat, Dragic, for example. 
uh, for the Celtics. You have Marcus Smart who won't be back until after the break. After uh, exactly. Um, you have Jalen Brown playing through tendonitis in his left knee. Kemba Walker has been woeful since his return. So, you know, that and a lot of other things has led to their demise. Also for Miami, you realize that teams have started to key in on Duncan Robinson's yeah, game. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not giving him an inch of space. Ta- um, they, yeah, the thing about Miami is that most of these players are scouted now. So all those free will and all those free plays you had last year, you're not going to get that this year. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Miami now. And I'm looking back a month ago, mm-hmm. per se. And I'm trying to figure out what <laughs> Pat Riley and Eric Sposa saw in these guys that he said, no, I'm not trading them <laughs> for James Hart. Like, you, you and I, I, both. Pat, I, I don't know if Pat Riley got a, the cigars getting team head now. <laughs> or, I don't, I don't know if you know the dementia setting in or what it may be, but those guys came into the league hot last year in the bubble, especially. Yeah, now teams have tape on them now, uh-huh. the teams have filmed to say, All right. They like this. They run this set to get this guy open. They run that set to get that guy open. So let's play defense out to the three-point line. Let's move off the ball screens. And then you see how limited their offense is and their production is outside of what they're used to. So I think the Heat, I don't think their season is lost yet. Pretty much. I mean, you know, they beat Lakers the other night. And I think they can get a rich run of uh, a rich vein of farm to with a couple games on the track. The Los Angeles Lakers, the defending champions, have lost their one of their stars for a couple weeks. They've also been without Schroeder for a couple games, I think. And yeah, Delta State Protocols. Yeah, and they have not looked as dominant as they would have at, at varying points during the season. They lost to the Heat the other night. Um, let me just get the views, guys. Um, what do you think? You know, or How do you think the Lakers will cope without Anthony Davis as they currently stand? And with the West being so you know, filled with quality, even though some teams are not necessarily performing as they should, but teams are now running into form. Do you think the Lakers um, are in danger of slipping down the standings if they can't, you know, find a way to win games without Anthony Davis until he's back? Because I don't think I don't think the Lakers want to rush him, given that he's a player that has had injuries over the years. Yeah, and they may want to, you know, protect him, especially it being a lower leg injury. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that he will not be with them for a while. You know, LeBron is still in his 18th year, playing 36, 37, 38 games for a night, 10 minutes rather for a night. Um, you don't want him to pick up an injury as well. So Agreed. what do you think the Lakers are? How do you think the Lakers will cope without Anthony Davis going forward? Craig? Yeah, like 
I definitely think I, I'm not worried about the Lakers really. Any concern I had for them was with Anthony Davis before, which is like I think they need another big to replace um Gasol. That's so it's like I'm not really concerned about the Lakers. Um they just they just need I hope a uh, top four seed. I think we've seen over the years like a LeBron James team just needs not even well, that was a one year he didn't have, but just gets home court advantage. Give him home court, and I think the first round. Yeah, just in the first. Like, that, that's fine. I don't. I really. But, don't but, but with the way how the, the league is now, with no fans, is is home court really an advantage? I think at, looking at the Lakers, they were undefeated on the road up until like about ten games in, uh, ten road games in, or, or more. All right, so. so the home, home advantage to me right now is not necessarily something that is is critical, especially with no fans. There's no atmosphere. There's no pressure on players to perform against the crowd, mm-hmm. per se. And then again, LeBron James being the player he is, you still have to beat him four times. Yep. So you'd have to beat him at home as well. Well, if, you know? if that's so, the case, then they just have to make it. Which I and they won't slip out the top eight. So, um, yeah, but, 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 but what I think I don't want to do though is I think it's very it's going to be very important this season is seeding mm-hmm. because if you see last year they were able to avoid the Clippers up until they would have they wouldn't have a choice yeah. being in the finals. So you know if you fit in as the number one seed. If you get the number one seed in your conference, you have the pick of the spoils, pretty much. Mm-hmm. However, if say let's say for instance the Lakers drop to third uh-huh. in the West, then the season. Or even fourth. The Clippers are second. You know, yeah, are the Clippers? You know, it's, 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 let's say we don't expect the Jazz to finish. You know, in the top one or two. And we expect that the Lakers and Clippers to be separated by a team in the middle. And the Lakers end up facing the Clippers in the second round. Having such an intense matchup in the second round and then having another team in the finals that would have already been good can necessarily wear down a 18th season LeBron or wear down a KD, AD rather, who... He's injury-prone and has had injuries. You know, there's going to be travel if, if the NBA doesn't necessarily go back to the bubble format. Yeah. So, traveling mm-hmm. after a game, you know, the body not getting enough time to recuperate, leave your exposed to injuries. What do you think about the, the, the seeding aspect of it and how important that is for the Lakers to get a good seed to avoid certain teams early on? It's important for them to avoid the Clippers um, like they did last year, but they might might run the risk of not even having that luxury this year because of the hole that they have in the team currently. Um, I think that's how they've looked the past two games is because they haven't had someone else to help uh, LeBron with you know facilitating and also scoring. So I think once Shooter is back, because he, from what I understand, he doesn't actually have COVID, but because he was close to someone that was infected, he has to be out for 
seven days. So once he's back, I think that will help them out offensively. But they still need to fix the center issue because what it because that issue has just been more exposed since AD has been out. Because the reason why AD had the the slow offensive start to the season that he had was because he had to be doing so much work on defense because he had to be paired with either Gasol, Harrell, or Kuzma. So I think that they need to fix that in the meantime while AD is out. And also, I think they should be extremely cautious. I know that AD is going to be over for probably another three to four weeks, but I think like you you know, alluded to earlier that he might be out even longer because of his long injury history. I mean, we'll, next, for next week's episode, we'll talk about our All-Star. You know, we'll have a, a mini draft per se when the reserves are released. We have a, have, have a few thoughts. I mean, you know, I don't understand how Damian Lillard is not a starter. But that's, <laughs> that's another day. Criminal offense. We have, we, have, we have also our, our views on what Draymond Green said. About you know player movement and how teams have the upper hand in, in certain situations versus when the player wants to move, etc. But for now we'll 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 limit our NBA talk to and, and move that to a different you know episode. All right, so for this segment we're joined by a lifelong Liverpool fan, uh, Mr. Ewan Walters. And we're just going to kick it to him from now to get his views on Liverpool's season so far. What was his expectation coming into this season as Premier League champions? How things have been so far in this season and what we can look forward to. What he thinks will come out of this season as it progresses. So, Ewan, what do you think about Liverpool's season? All right. Um, so, as, as I said, leading into the season, there are no more concerns that we had as a, as a, as a unit, as a team. One, we know that the season was going to be crunched because, you know, the COVID situation caused a delay to the end of the last season and it kind of pushed back the start of this season. So we know mm-hmm. it was going to be a crunch season in terms of the amount of time to play the number of games that needed to be played. So the concern at the, at the onset was that you would need to have a larger squad to, to deal with the, you know, the rigors of the season, considering that, you know, you're going to have a situation where you don't have a lot of break time between games. As I say, games are pretty much every three years. So uh-huh. a big issue, a big big concern leading into the season was the squad depth in terms of not only um, quality, which was critical, but also quantity. And our our quality, our quantity in quantity uh, in quality. Let's put it yeah. that way. So you know in the off season we lost one of our one of our central um, defenders in Lovren. So Lovren mm-hmm. left, and that basically cut down the senior um, central defenders to three. But yeah. we know after three, two it was basically two because it was one it was one and two halves. Because if you follow yeah. Liverpool enough, you know that between Matip and Gomez, you're guaranteed injuries throughout the season. So, yeah. in my opinion, from a defensive perspective, central defensive perspective, we came into the season shorthanded. Even when mm. Liverpool had Lovren on the books, we were still shorthanded because if you remember last season, there were times when Henderson and Fabinho had to step into central Fabinho defense. Had to, anyway, yeah, Fabinho had to drop back. 
And that was that was when you had three plus plus Van Dyke, who was the who was the permanent fixture. So you mm -hmm. look, you basically decided to let go of him and and decided not to replace him. Going into a season that you're going to have um, probably the probably the roughest season ever because as I say, you know the season get crunched. Uh -huh. So first and foremost, I thought we were short-handed in the defensive um, in the defensive side of things coming into the season, and the the owners because I don't think it was club were reliant on us being able to unlock and us being mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and the guys that were always injured being able to to somehow stay fit in a season where it's going to be harder for any 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 player even the best, even the, the players that generally stay fit throughout every season you know, mm -hmm. it will be a challenge for them because so yeah short handed was the was the was was one of the main things that I thought I thought we were short handed as well in attack because for three seasons running Basically, we've been reliant on the same front three. And while them deliver for the most part, we could yeah. say a player like Bobby, like Firmino, he was going off the ball from, from last season. Because if you remember well, it was pretty much the second to last or the last game at Anfield that Bobby, that, that Bobby scored his first Anfield goal for the yeah. whole season. He was hot and cold from time to time. Well, he was basically he was basically called for the majority of last season, especially in home fixtures. So uh -huh. He was a concern in terms, of, um, you know, because he, you know, he has been the, the workhorse for 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 club over the years. You know, yeah. he basically played the most games of any player that that in in, in the club squad um, throughout the throughout the period that club has been in charge. So he was kind of winning, and we needed some some support there. I thought we needed a high quality. You know, top a top a top quality player to come into the team, to compete. You know, to give the to push the, the front three, not to back them up per se, but to compete with them. And when we yeah. signed Jota, Jota wasn't it in that perspective. From the from you know from the on paper, Jota wasn't that. But when the season started, we saw that Jota actually, you know, over uh, um, um probably superseded expectations. But Jota wasn't it in yeah. you know in theory. So yeah, we added Jota and we added a luxury player in 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 Thiago because it wasn't Thiago, as everybody would know, don't really fit the type of uh, mold that Liverpool have. But yeah. anybody who had the opportunity to get a, a to get a Thiago because he wanted to come, we take him, mm -hmm. you know, because you know, you, you, yeah, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, the quality, a, a, a world class player. So you can must find a mm -hmm. way to fit him in, even if he's not what the team normally you know play according to. So yeah. yeah, we came into the season short at least one central defender, probably two because as I said, even with Lovren, we were short. And we added one player that we hope, we hope would be, um, you know, a quality backup to the front three. And we added one in the midfield. Mm. But yeah, season started with us short-handed. The, 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 what the owners relied on, and probably club to some extent, was that Van Dyke will remain the main fixture and he'll find a way to find somebody to fit beside it, even if you know they get the injuries that were expected of them because they get, they get injured every yeah, day. Yeah, the, uh, the anchor this being Van Dyke was. Yeah, the anchor, the anchor, anchor being Van Yeah. Anchor was expected to still be Van Dyke and the injuries that were expected to come were expected to come apart from Van Dyke, but not to Van Dyke. But mm. as you know, the season started with pretty much. You know, 
um, the worst way. You know, probably the most critical player to how Liverpool is able to play because if we understand how Liverpool play, we know Liverpool play a, a, a high press. We we'll, mm-hmm. we'll play a high line. And the reasons yeah. why we're able to play that is because you have, you have players that can play a high line and can recover very well in mm-hmm. Van Dijk and, and Gomez especially because he has the pace. Matip to a lesser extent, but you know, if Matip playing, he he knows that he he has to be the one that kind of stays, you know, um, stays back. Yeah. As much Ma- as Matip, Matip has good zonal awareness, but he doesn't have the pace. Yeah, and and, and, the and the anticipation like a Van Dyke. Yeah. yeah, and Gomez kind of Gomez has the pace, but he doesn't have the anticipation to the, okay. to the extent that Matip has it. So so you can play you can Liverpool are able to always maintain a high line. Sometimes it's still bite us even with Van Dyke and, and Gomez, but we're able to play that high line. And the players at the front are able to re- rely on the you know the recovery skills of, of Van Dyke and Gomez, you know, in going forward. The thing about it you now is that Van Dyke got injured very early in the season. All right. And we you know everybody will say, Oh, you know, that's it, the excuse at Liverpool, fine, because uh, Van Dyke only play in defense, but if you understand how Liverpool play, Van Dyke is not only a part of the Liverpool defense. But let me go back to it. Van Dyke got injured, and we said, "Okay, let us find ways to let us find solutions to this." Solutions were found. You know, we saw where Fabinho transitioned to to being uh, being basically the key central defender, mm-hmm. and then we saw where you know he was being paired with Gomez. And, and, and Matip and, and then Gomez got injured again because that is what Gomez does. That's and then, job. yeah, so basically we're finding solutions. Because if you realise, you know, Liverpool slump is not something that's, that, that kind of came through the entire season. Liverpool's slump started in, in January uh, more so, uh, pretty much, because up to up to December, while we weren't running away with the league, we were still, we're in still it. atop the league. Uh-huh. We're still here, we're still at top, at, at top the table. It was the end of the year, at the top of the table. So uh-huh. solutions were being found. The solutions that were being found affected the team, but not to the extent that they're affecting the team now. But one of the problems with not having a, a, a Van Dyke in the team is how, as I said before, you see people are people are saying, oh, well, is the defense having problems mainly in terms of injuries? When you when you don't have a when you don't have a one like in the back, around the back, and, and then they don't have a, 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 um, a Henderson and a Fabinho in the middle. Mm. What that what that creates is a problem in terms of how the team plays because Liverpool have to play at, with a high press, and a part a big part of Liverpool's attack is how the midfield, especially, is able to, to recover recover, recover the uh, ball. position of the ball from very high up. Mm. So when you when you recover the ball very high up, you're able to transition into attack quickly. Yeah. Defense is being able to, to, to you know to, to reset behind the ball. But when you have to, when when it is now when when basically Liverpool lose that lose that impact from not having our Henderson and our Fabinho in the middle. And the and the, and the attacking players to transition all uh, pretty much all the time from, from back to front. What you find is that you have you have players like Mane and Salah who have to be trying to Beat, beat defenders a lot more. I mean, you know, my money is good at that, but it can be so good and no more. You can beat two players, but when you have five and six to beat, you go to this position. The other teams will adjust and kind of make it difficult. Yeah. And then to, but yeah, it because now, 
Yeah, no, you don't, you know, you know, you're not winning the ball up, up high up where they can just transition into a quick attack. You, 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 when you get back the ball, is in defense. You have to transition through the phases. And, you know, Tiago is, is what is, is supposedly um, supposed to be the one who connect the dots there. But yeah, that changed the way how Liverpool would play. So, as, I say, as you see, the problem with Liverpool now and why we find ourselves in this slump is, is a multiple. One, we have key injuries that we know that. And the, quick, and the key injuries go beyond just the fact that they affect the defence. They affect the whole team whole dynamics. Team. Right? Yeah, the whole team dynamics, the whole flow of the team. So basically, you have key uh, injuries that affect the whole dynamics of the team. The next thing is that uh, Liverpool, um, club, in a sense, was, has been forced to for probably three or four seasons to play with the same core team. Because if you realise... But the backup players like Origi or uh, uh, Shakiri and, 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 well, and to a lesser extent, Keita. Well, mm. two problems with the backup. With the, with the, backup. the quality backups that Liverpool have are injury-prone players. You know, the Keita played today, injured tomorrow. Ox played today, injured, injured for the next three months. Um, Shakiri. <laughs> Shakira did injured in in them in them bar tower. You know, we, we just never know why Shakira injured. We just one day you see I'm not well in the see me and you wonder what is it, what's the problem? You hear say I'm not too much muscle, man. I'm, I'm, I'm too much muscle, <laughs> muscle built right now. Sorry. <laughs> I think in body can't say, you know what? He's about all these crunches and, and, and squats. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know, but basically the problem has, has been that club has been trying to work magic using a core, basically a core team of probably 13 players, maybe 14, season after season for the last few seasons. And, and, and owners get kind of complacent, get too comfortable that it can, it can continue to work year after year. So coming into this season, short-handed, the man them tired because, you know, they have been playing, all of them have been basically, you know, the same core. The only time or you can play, for instance, is when somebody injured. It's not a man who going to push anybody. Klopp will have him, and Klopp will never look to him unless it's a cup game or somebody injured. Yeah, because so the quality is not there. So you're relying on the on the core. Um, in 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 the in the defensive sense, you had players, you had numbers in terms. I had three decent um um options to play alongside Van Dyke, but but they are all of them were injury prone players. So what was less less an issue, but in attack. You never have anybody who can really say, oh, uh, I'm going to start him or play him my head off any other front three. When Jota came in and started to look to started, started to look good, we said, oh, okay, yeah, he can't push them. I will say, give him a game. And then Jota, in my opinion, the worst, probably the worst injury that has happened in, you know, overall, well, the worst injury has been Van Dijk, hands down. But outside of that, Jota's injury, injury has been a major one because he was the one who was kind of refreshing the, the attack. Now, he was the one who was finding ways to get goals, even when the rest of the man them were kind of yeah, falling. He, he, falling brings, he brings a different dynamic in attack. Yeah. And then he got injured in a game that was inconsequential. In a Champions League game after he done qualify already, Klopp, you know, Klopp decided to play him and get injured in that. And then he has been out for much months now, three months. And, and um, Fermina has been out of form for probably two year, uh, a year and a half running. Mm-hmm. Um Mane has been has been um hit and missed and Salah has been maintaining a certain level. But 
him alone not really you know enough to, to really drive the team forward it was it was something that i kind of saw coming because i said well i was saying you know you know a liverpool group but we'll have a lot of discussions you know mm-hmm. we're, 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 uh, without, without the trolls <laughs> I mean, you can give you a plug to the, a lot of Liverpool fans maybe listening or oh, no, a safe space for the guys to join. So you can give a plug, yeah, you know? yeah, man. That, yeah, man. That is it. So is you. You never. You um. You never walk alone. You never walk alone. JA, or mm-hmm. Jamaica. You never walk alone. Jamaica, or, or the Jamaica chapter. That is the name of the, the group. Yeah. And I said one of the things you're discussing at, um, before the start of the season was the fact that. Uh, we're going to have to try to work magic again because obviously the owner is not going to inject the inject the kind of funds needed to really replenish the team in the right way or to or to add some um, serious quality. Remember, remember, you know, Werner was a primary target for Liverpool, and uh, and he was allowed to join Chelsea because the owners were weren't willing to to you know to come up with the funds to back the, the acquisition. Um, Klopp was Klopp was very upset about that, but him hiding. But he wanted to get Werner. And I'm sure if Werner was at Liverpool, he'd probably he'd be, he'd be doing a lot better than he's doing now at Chelsea. You can't have him being the, you know, being a, a case where you know everything is played through him. You know, he has to be, you know, he's generally a, a part of the a part of the build-up play. He gets he gets a lot of goals, but it's not necessarily because he's a a, a main striker. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, you're you're right. Not sorry to cut you, but like, you know, with what Lampard was doing. Uh, he he had Timo playing as a left winger. The issue wasn't him yeah. playing at the left per se, but just how he was playing on the left. He had yeah. him stre- he had exactly had him stretching the field too much. He wasn't make, he, like he said they were playing through him too much. They weren't allowing him to yeah. play off the ball, run into the exactly. Channel. I thought he did well, exactly. like he said. He wasn't necessarily a player. He popped up on the yeah. right, popped up on the left, popped up on the middle, wherever the channel was in the defense. Mm. That's where he would pop up to try to score, but it's like I said, exactly. you saw. So I thought with Lampard, he was like, "Alright, stretch the pitch as a left winger and kind of played him out mm. of form." I agree with your points. Are you saying about because even like historically in the Premier League, it's very hard to like dominate like three years, three to four years through. Yeah. Like Pep took. I mean, not that you guys had a fantastic year, but you know, Pep was going on too. You guys took that one last year. You pushed them the pre yeah. two years before. So, mm-hmm. even, honestly, even if your team was like 100% fully loaded, it would be, I, was, I would still think like your team would need to be like, you know, refreshed with a couple of players. So, any, yeah, player, yeah, any, yeah. Play, any players in mind, you guys? Like, if you were like, say, the man in charge, like, who you think would, you would want mm-hmm. to like replace in key positions? Because like that front three for me, I think it mm-hmm. needs some freshen up for sure. To be honest, I think, I think, one of the front three will go and probably needs to go at the end of the season. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of fans emotionally will say that has to be Salah, which is ridiculous because Salah is again <laughs> leading the scoring. Yeah. You know, Salah is again, um, he's actually going at a better pace than he was um, in, 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 in his first season when he, when he uh, had the record. For me, you know, I don't know. I, I think Firmino needs to have a solid, solid, solid um alternative. I don't know that if Jota is that because Jota has looked like he could be that. You know, maybe maybe this is a platform that, that Jota really needed to kind of ascend to a different level. But yeah, 
I think if we're if we losing either money or Salah, I think we need to make a big, big push. Yes, big, big a, push. a certain a certain winger in Germany. A certain. You know, mm-hmm. Somebody come to see. Have somebody in mind? A certain Mister Jaden Sancho. I could see. <laughs> You know, to be honest, I swear you were talking Leon Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I think, I think he has his eyes set on Manu, so we leave him for Manu. We leave, we leave um, Bailey for Manu. Sancho, yes, Sancho could be it, you know. Um, Sancho, I would have a problem with Sancho coming to the team, but I still wouldn't see Sancho as necessarily. Um, the... We, uh, I don't know. I think he'll be if we're getting him, we probably need somebody else as well. And I'm and I'm thinking that this, there are two players that every every club in the world wants right now. Uh-huh. There's a lot of talk about I don't hey, know hey, again. Hey, hey. Before you go further. <laughs> I know you're not talking about those two players, Florentine and Van Leeuwen right now. <laughs> yes, sir. If you ask me what we need to do, I think we need to make two or three major signings. One in defense, you know, um, and I, you know, I never tried to pronounce his name. I read it, read it on, on the internet, but I never tried to pronounce his name. But I think, I think Theo, I think Theo did pronounce it earlier. But I think they're from Leipzig. No, no, him gone, him gone out uh, Bayern already. Oh, right? yes, you're talking about Konate. Yeah, Bayern already. Yeah, yeah. So Konate. we need that. Okay. We need that. Yeah, yeah, that, he has been, he has been, he has been um, spoken about as well. So, so why not so try get Pakuli from um, Pakuli? It's a bit too expensive for his age. Him already outside of the bracket that that FSG approved in age age wise, and then he will cost much money, even though him him old. So I'm not so sure that's going to happen. But we need a we need another key defensive signing. We need a major attacking signing. As I said before, a Sancho, a Mbappe, a Haaland, <laughs> one of them. Hey, but, you know what you're right? Don't mention the man, man, lay away, man. They take him off of the front shelf, you know. We're almost, we're almost available, you know, man. Nah, that happened. That, nah, that happened. FSG, now did that. I was scared to join my team, you know, man. I would say all hope is not lost. You're in another competition in the Champions League. So give me your thoughts mm-hmm. on your, your, your um your chances for the Champions League this year. Um, I think I think I think the Champions League kind of open, so I think we'll have a, maybe a maybe a slim chance, maybe a twenty five percent chance if we can get back some key players in the next uh, month and a half, month to month and a half. Van Dijk looking like he wants to come back, but that's probably too risky, but. I don't know if he can come back. That would be that would that would put me as a, maybe a, a 30, 40 percent, 35-40% chance there. Jata should be back in the next week or two weeks. Keita's as cover in midfield. So I think we have a, probably a 30 percent chance of making something out of the Champions League. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I think you I think you guys have a good chance to at least the semifinals. We get a good draw. For making the champions. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, Champions League right now. All right, like who who is the dominant team in 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 Europe right now? Bayern. Yeah, Bayern. And Bayern having a blip, right? 
them them they've been I mean just a minor blip still. Um City, City is the informed team in the whole of Europe, but City and Champions League they really gel very well. So we can't really, you know, unless them show themselves to be able to, to push it this year. I can't really say, well, I can't put them down for Champions League. They look like the team, but I can't put them down. So right now I don't see any many teams in Europe that that, that really can stop them class and say, okay, is we going to win it? Maybe a Bayern, but as I said, they, they have them blip. So at this point, I think by the Champions League is still kind of open and a Liverpool can change it because we know Liverpool and Champions League still already. Some, some, some other clubs, some other clubs can only wish, well, you know, Liverpool and Champions League um, go hand in hand. So yeah, we can, we can do a thing. You know, we can, we can look and see how we, how things progress. I mean, as I said, there definitely needs to be improvement in the squad. Let's hope that the owners heed their advice and invest some more money in the squad, not just sit on the fact that they, you know, won last year, so we can run it back with the same team, not taking right account right, injuries. Right, yeah, right now we're a victim, we're a victim of our own success. Success feed the complacency that the, that the owners have, and that is a problem right now. All right, so I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's good to hear your views on the matter. You know, lifelong Liverpool fan, and you know, we'll, we'll have you back on the show later on, depending on how far you guys go in the Champions League, to, <laughs> to you know, discuss matters as it relates to that. Because I think you guys have a chance at winning it, especially with persons yeah. coming back from injury, and it's a league mm-hmm. that you know. Anything can happen. Yeah. Get a good draw, you end up in the final. Just the same. Other teams that are expecting to be there lose out. And then you guys, once you get to, you know, handle your business on the night, you can end up in the final. And who knows? Can be a successful team when you look a successful season once you look back at things. Because at the end of the day, even though you may mm-hmm. only secure a top four finish in the league, end up with the Champions League just the same. All right, so it was nice having you on the show. Bless up, man. Bless up. Respect yeah, man. and good night. Yeah, yeah man. Cool. Respect. Yeah. All right, so we just want to end this week's edition of the episode with a quick shout-out to um, Naomi Osaka. She won the women's singles for the Australian Open. Um, pretty dominant performance throughout the whole tournament. She beat Jennifer Brady pretty easily in the final. And before she beat Serena Williams, who failed in her latest attempt to you know, secure her first Grand Slam since giving birth and also to tie the all-time record. I think she should be more calculated now in which tournaments to enter, preserve herself as much as possible, and then try to go at the record. All right, so that's it for this week's episode of the Murder Sports Podcast. It was a great discussion. Um, remember, guys, follow us on our social media platforms at Murder Sports. Guys, just you know, big up on yourselves. Keep safe. Yeah. And we'll see you guys for next week's episode. Peace. All right, wear a mask.